Chapter Nineteen of Undine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pete Williams. Undine by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet, translated by F. E. Bunnett. Chapter Nineteen: How the Knight Huldbrand Was Buried. Father Heilman had returned to the castle as soon as the death of the Lord of Ringstetten had been made known in the neighborhood, and he appeared at the very same moment that the monk who had married the unfortunate couple was fleeing from the gates, overwhelmed with fear and terror. "'It is well,' replied Heilman, when he was informed of this. "'Now my duties begin, and I need no associate.' Upon this he began to console the bride— now a widow, small result as it produced upon her worldly, thoughtless mind. The old fisherman, on the other hand, although heartily grieved, was far more resigned to the fate which had befallen his daughter and son-in-law, and while Bertolda could not refrain from abusing Undine as a murderess and sorceress, the old man calmly said, "'It could not be otherwise, after all.' I see nothing in it but the judgment of God, and no one's heart has been more deeply grieved by Huldbrand's death than that of her by whom it was inflicted, the poor forsaken Undine. At the same time he assisted in arranging the funeral solemnities as befitted the rank of the deceased. The knight was to be interred in the village churchyard which was filled with the graves of his ancestors and this church had been endowed with rich privileges and gifts both by these ancestors and by himself. His shield and helmet lay already on the coffin, to be lowered with it into the grave, for Sir Huldbrand of Ringstetten had died the last of his race. The mourners began their sorrowful march, singing requiems under the bright, calm canopy of heaven. Father Heilman walked in advance, bearing a high crucifix, and the inconsolable Bertalda followed, supported by her aged father. Suddenly, in the midst of the black-robed attendants in the widow's train, a snow-white figure was seen, closely veiled and wringing her hands with fervent sorrow. Those near whom she moved felt a secret dread, and retreated either backward or to the side, increasing by their movements the alarm of the others near to whom the white stranger was now advancing and thus a confusion in the funeral train was well-nigh beginning. Some of the military escort were so daring as to address the figure and to attempt to remove it from the procession, but she seemed to vanish from under their hands, and yet was immediately seen advancing again amid the dismal cortege with slow and solemn step. At length, in consequence of the continued shrinking of the attendants to the right and to the left, she came close behind Bertalda. The figure now moved so slowly that the widow did not perceive it, and it walked meekly and humbly behind her, undisturbed. This lasted till they came to the churchyard, where the procession formed a circle round the open grave. Then Bertalda saw her unbidden companion, and, starting up half in anger and half in terror, she commended her to leave the knight's last resting-place. The veiled figure, however, gently shook her head in refusal. 
and raised her hands as if in humble supplication to Bertalda, deeply agitating her by the action, and recalling to her with tears how Undine had so kindly wished to give her that coral necklace on the Danube. Father Heilman motioned with his hand and commanded silence, as they were to pray in mute devotion over the body, which they were now covering with the earth. Bertelda knelt silently, and all knelt, even the grave-diggers among the rest, when they had finished their task. But when they rose again, the white stranger had vanished. On the spot where she had knelt, there gushed out of the turf a little silver spring, which rippled and murmured away till it had almost entirely encircled the knight's grave. Then it ran further, and emptied itself into a lake, which lay by the side of the burial-place. Even to this day, the inhabitants of the village show the spring, and cherish the belief that it is the poor rejected Undine, who in this manner still embraces her husband in her loving arms. End of chapter 19 Recording by Pete Williams, Pittsburgh, PA End of Undine by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet Translated by F. E. Bunnett